According to TikTokers, feral people live in national parks. This conspiracy has spread like wildfire and a few theorists have made some interesting points. Interesting, but sometimes completely and utterly fabricated. Hello everyone and welcome to Prism of the Past. I'm the Illuminati and today we're going to address a bit of misinformation that I've seen spreading around TikTok lately. And that's the whole national parks conspiracy trend. I've seen TikTokers saying that everything from feral people, paranormal creatures, and monsters from Native American folklore all inhabit the parks. Some TikTokers like Aiden Mattis even claim that Teddy Roosevelt knew about Bigfoot and the Wendigo and established so many public lands and advocated for conservatism so badly so that he could have special forces corral the creatures. At first, the stories kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit. Then I saw them continue to appear over and over and over again. And quite frankly, I'm a little bit irritated at the people spreading so much misinformation. So I'm not suggesting that any of you send any of these TikTokers any hate, like just please don't. This information that they're spreading is just not only blatantly untrue, but it has dangerous racist roots that I highly doubt some of these TikTokers are even aware of. Today, we're going to get into why that is, where these conspiracies and theories even come from, and why we probably shouldn't be perpetuating them. So let's take a look at America's national parks and why these TikTokers are actually spreading some pretty racist and harmful stereotypes. start with the reason why these conspiracies spread, the missing people. And before I get into that, I have to put a bit of a trigger warning on this episode because as stated, we will be mentioning racism and missing people. So if either of those things are going to upset you, this is not the episode for you. For those of you still here, let's get into it. So the first question is, do people go missing in the national parks? Absolutely. Some of the numbers I've seen TikTokers throw around is about 1,600 people go missing every single year. Before we look at the reasons these TikTokers give, let's get into some of the facts. One of my sources claimed that since the National Park Service was set up in 1916, over 1,000 people have vanished, a far cry from 1,000 people every year. The National Park Service does have a roster of cold cases dating back to the 50s that are under investigation. And while there are dozens of people on it, there are by no means thousands. Now there have been thousands of search and rescue missions, 3,453 to be exact, and 182 deaths. But over 2,000 of these people are found not ill or injured. About one and a half thousand are found ill or injured, but they've been rescued and wouldn't be classified as missing. So yes, hundreds of people do go missing in national parks, but the information being spread is misleading. The other aspect people may have latched onto is the fact that yes, more people are going missing in national parks. Yet the simple explanation for this is that more people have been desperate to go outside since the pandemic has slowed and restrictions are starting to lift, leading the national parks to have more visitors. And at times, these visitors don't have a lot of hiking experience, according to one source. Jenny, a representative of the National Park Services, confirms as much, telling me that though they don't have a final count on the number of visitors until the end of the year, she suspects that it's higher than in years past due to the nature of the pandemic. I don't have numbers to provide, but what we tend to see historically is when you see years with more people visiting parks or doing activities that maybe they haven't done before, we tend to see more incidents that prompt some kind of search and rescue, she says. 
And that might range from someone who has never traversed a snowfield to someone who goes into the backcountry of a park on a camping trip for a day or multiple nights and might get lost. Weather in parks can change quickly. This isn't me trying to discourage anyone from going outside, simply to do your research. Just because a national park is designated as such or the land is protected doesn't mean it isn't the wild. The extreme heats and heights of the Grand Canyon has led to dozens of deaths and motor vehicle crashes are the leading cause of death in the Great Smoky Mountains. Falls are the leading cause overall throughout the parks and they are again, dangerous. Staying hydrated, not standing at the edge of a cliff or canyon to take selfies, sticking to trails, all of that might seem like basic common sense, but it is an unfortunate reality that people have died this way. My source continues. But COVID isn't the only explanation for why so many people have gone missing on public lands in recent years. The widespread availability of navigational apps for smartphones, which gives people a false sense of confidence when venturing outdoors, especially in more remote areas, has helped percolate this particularly eerie moment in missing people. In simpler terms, having a phone or a GPS navigator is an effective tool, but it also provides outdoor enthusiasts with a false sense of confidence. The example that I often use is, if you drive up to the mountain in the wintertime to go skiing, all the car accidents you see are generally four-wheel drive, says Rollins. Why? Because people with two-wheel drive tend to drive really slow. And we've probably all witnessed the guy in the four-wheel drive flying 50 miles an hour down the freeway past everyone else, and then they end up wrapped around a telephone pole or off a cliff or something like that. Again, I'm really not trying to scare people from visiting these parks, just to illustrate that they can be dangerous. If you're gonna go hiking, start small, be prepared and go with people that are experienced. Yes, people do vanish, but this is still the wilderness. It's hardly any wonder why this happens. Of course, some of these disappearances can be incredibly alarming. And as a result, we've got conspiracy theorists coming up with their own explanations as to why the wilderness is dangerous. Aiden Mattis, the TikToker I mentioned earlier, has a video where he discusses the case of Carl Landers. In it, he states that Carl, an experienced hiker, went missing in 1999. Carl wasn't feeling well and he went alone, hiking up the summit of Mount Shasta on an open trail. When his friends later went looking for him, they couldn't find him. Aiden poses the question, how could a man who wasn't feeling well get so far out of the search radius that nothing of him is ever found again? Only way I can think of is if something superhuman carried him off. And yeah, that's the only thing you can think of. I understand that this case was a bit odd. Though Carl was 69 years old, there wasn't any dense vegetation to obscure a body nor any obvious crevices. Even so, climbers have died falling on Mount Shasta before. It's over 14,000 feet tall, and yet the only thing that these conspiracies could believe that made him vanish was something superhuman. Out loud, it sounds pretty ludicrous. As much as I wanna be open-minded, it's just kind of like, it has to be supernatural reasoning, doesn't give me much hope. Anyway. Let's get into some of these explanations. One of the first conspiracies I saw spread was that feral people live in the woods. In 2021, there are feral people that are cannibals living in our national parks. TikTok user jbaybay96 said in a viral post, confidence apparent in her voice. Since I learned this, I have not stopped thinking about it. I will probably never go to a national park for the rest of my life because I am absolutely terrified of being eaten by a feral person. TikToker Garshis, who claims she is working on a documentary about feral people, said there are hundreds of eyewitness accounts about these people that the government refuses to investigate. This theory has spread quite a bit lately and it's made its rounds on the platform for sure, just as they are some of the most viral posts. 
However, this rumor truly formed and gained traction back in 1969 when a boy named Dennis Martin went missing. Dennis's case is the one that has resonated and stuck with true crime sleuths for decades. On Friday, June 14, 1969, six-year-old Dennis was camping in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park with his family. Dennis, his brother, and some other children all hid in bushes to scare the adults passing by. But when the children emerged, Dennis was gone. The hunt for Dennis began, and in the coming weeks, over 1,400 people searched for him. Unfortunately, summer storms washed away clues, volunteers desperate to find Dennis may have obscured any tracks of him, and the only signs of Dennis that were ever recovered was one of his shoes and socks. Knox News reported that one storm, which hit shortly after Dennis went missing, likely destroyed any chance he had for survival. While it's possible that Dennis was kidnapped, it doesn't seem likely. Though I hate to say it, it seems much more likely that this six-year-old with nothing but the clothes on his back in the storm passed away just due to the elements. Dennis's father seemed intent on believing the former though, as he offered up a $5,000 reward for any information about his son's potential kidnapper. This determination to believe Dennis was alive as a whole is one of the massive elements that led to this specific conspiracy of feral people or cannibals living in the parks. See, on the afternoon Dennis disappeared, a 45-year-old man named Harold Key was near Rowan's Creek when he heard a, quote, enormous sickening scream, end quote. After the scream, Key said he saw a rough-looking man move stealthily through the woods. Even though the FBI concluded he didn't have enough evidence to act on, the sighting was clung to. After all, people probably wanted to believe that there was someone to blame for Dennis vanishing. They wanted an explanation, and so some people, well, invented one. A family from Carthage, Tennessee, they were trying to photo uh, the deer. They were following the deer up Rowan's Creek, and they heard a child scream. The father ran up there, and he saw a man dart into the woods, and he described him as uh, unclean, unkempt, rough-looking. Now, one of my sources claims that the recent attitude taken by these conspiracy theorists on TikTok is incredibly harmful to impoverished people in these areas as well. After all, there are residents of the Appalachian area that are off-grid or low-income or experiencing homelessness, as the area in the Appalachian Mountains near the Smoky Mountains has an extremely high poverty rate. Multiple TikTokers from these areas have called this out, but their stories sure don't seem to go as viral as the ones claiming feral people exist in the first place. One Appalachian user, Rock Bottom Wren, says that people in her area will probably be the last people to ever become cannibals because they're so resourceful. Her family recipes include turtle soup, squirrel stew, and they've even made flour out of pine needles. This whole feral cannibal people legend is not only racist, but classist too. Another source called Pathloom writes, Other natives of the Appalachian Mountains area have also come forward to speak out about this, claiming that much of these stories come from folklore and myths that have been around for years. Many note that conspiracy theories like these uphold harmful stereotypes about Appalachian people and circulate unnecessary fear-mongering about the often misunderstood population. It is likely, those native to the area note, that much of the hysteria around killer cannibals comes from long-retold pieces of folklore that are now reaching the mainstream. At the end of the day, I know people want an explanation for Dennis's disappearance. I genuinely understand why people are seeking answers, but would logic and basic common sense lead you to believe that this child died in a storm in a national park that was full of predatory animals rather than taken by a feral person? Until there's actually evidence for the latter, I'm gonna believe the more rational explanation here. 
Another one of these legends that is supposedly stealing people from national parks are skinwalkers. One of the reasons I actually was really hesitant to make this episode is because to my understanding, Native Americans don't appreciate their lore being bastardized and discussed by people who don't understand it, and justifiably so, according to one of my sources. Little more is known about the purported being as the Navajo are staunchly reluctant to discuss it with outsiders and often even amongst each other. Traditional belief pretends that speaking about malevolent beings is not only bad luck, but makes their appearance all the more likely. Native American writer and historian Adrienne Keene explained how J.K. Rowling's use of similar entities in her Harry Potter series affected indigenous people who believed in the skinwalker. Although there is no concrete evidence that these exist, though some would argue otherwise, it's still an important part of Navajo culture. One indigenous woman who is on TikTok, Naomi Summer, has stated that skinwalkers are like witches that change their shape into an animal to do harm and that they are deeply terrifying for indigenous people. Yet, as she explains, in this new wave of videos that are going viral, their legend isn't always treated with respect. When authors like JK Rowling or TikTokers parking in these conspiracy trends twist around the narrative of what a skinwalker is, it becomes deeply upsetting. Adrienne Keene has even called Rowling out for how she adopted skinwalkers in her Wizarding World and wrote, it's not your world, it's our real native world. And skinwalker stories have context, roots, and reality. You can't just claim and take a living tradition of a marginalized people. That's just straight up colonialism, appropriation. I understand that from the outside looking in, some may see the skinwalker as a Native American boogeyman. That's literally the name some sites out there have called it. But again, if Navajo people are not open to sharing these stories, then that's their choice. One source states that many Navajo have even been strongly opposed to having their creation story written down as it's inappropriate for oral narrative. So again, I want to truly emphasize that this is why I want to make it very clear that today I'm only mentioning these creatures in context of these national park conspiracies and why. The lore of skinwalkers themselves are not for me to talk about. As for their place in these conspiracies, well, it's unsurprising that things can get outlandish and disrespectful. Seeing well-known conspiracy theorists advocate for books about skinwalkers written by other conspirators without any credit or respect to its origin, yeah, that is a bit upsetting especially considering that the editorial review for one of these books refers to Native Americans as Indians. While it mentions skinwalkers being part of Native American culture, I don't see either of these authors interview any Native Americans or ask for their input. They have an entire chapter devoted to Native American connections, and yet throughout, they only reference other sources and conspiracies. So again, if you want to believe in skinwalkers and discuss it, please, at the very least, be respectful. Now, before we continue on to discuss Teddy Roosevelt and the whole thing that he set up the national parks as a big conspiracy thing to hunt these creatures down, let's go ahead and take a moment to thank today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by me. Well, more specifically, it's sponsored by my merch shop. Multilevelmerch.shop is a place to find everything you need to support the show. We've got hoodies, sweatshirts, which are my personal favorite, mugs, and even phone cases in so many amazing designs. Maybe you want your own Yikes on Trikes designs, or perhaps you'd like to join the Carb Crusaders. Either way, make sure you stay a good noodle, and there are designs for that too. And we do ship internationally, so make sure you check it out. Again, that's multilevelmerch.shop. Hear that? 
Another claim I've seen brought up is that Bigfoot exists and Teddy Roosevelt wrote about him in the Bauman incident. And this is the big evidence or the big gotcha moment I mentioned earlier about conspiracy theorists claiming that Roosevelt believed that like to conserve the national parks to corral Bigfoot. Taking a look at Teddy Roosevelt's experience though, it's not the definitive proof that Bigfoot exists that some people have made it out to be. First and foremost, Theodore Roosevelt never claimed to have seen Bigfoot. He met a mountain hunter named Bauman who was convinced he saw an unidentified beast that many people now equate to Bigfoot. According to Bauman, his friend saw a bear walking on two legs. That's, that's it. And one day during Bauman and his friend's camping trip, their lean-to was destroyed and footprints trailed away from it showing that whatever the creature was, it escaped on two legs. Just because President Theodore Roosevelt retold a story does not mean that Bigfoot exists. At the end of the day, this is absolutely just anecdotal evidence and I wasn't able to find any proof that this happened other than the fact that Roosevelt wrote, hey, someone told me this story in his book. Sure, it's an incredible story, absolutely, but it's not even a firsthand account. Not to mention Roosevelt adored the wilderness even before he heard the story, so it's not hard to believe that his views on conservation developed long after he heard this tale. Some say Roosevelt did have his own Bigfoot encounter, but again, there's no real evidence. Sustainability scientist Elena Wood, known as the garbage queen on TikTok, has done her best to debunk some of these explanations featured on these animal cries on our channel. And yeah, wild animals can sound absolutely horrifying, but it's not evidence for Bigfoot or anything else. After all of these theories, after all of these conspiracies, what evidence do these conspiracy theorists use? Well, it's apparently a book by a man who hints at Bigfoot and aliens as being responsible for all of these disappearances. And I wish I was kidding. Missing 411 is another one of those most referenced pieces of evidence I've seen floating around. And it's a book and a Hulu documentary series by retired police officer, David Polides, who has chronicled hundreds of eerie, similar yet unrelated cases of missing individuals in national parks. One of my sources describes the cases that David selects for Missing 411 and writes, A case that raises eyebrows is that of two-year-old Keith Parkins who disappeared while visiting his grandmother's ranch in the middle of Ritter, Oregon. His disappearance launched a full investigation by local authorities, which led to him being found 12 miles away from the ranch and lying unconscious in the snow. As a toddler, Keith had no way of moving this far on his own and without warm clothing. It's surprising that he even survived. And as an adult, Parkins was interviewed and claims he can't remember this stuff at all. So yeah, The story is unusual, it's absolutely surreal. But are we really to say it's more likely he was dragged off by a supernatural being than a wild animal? I, you know what I mean? It just, I don't know, just doesn't add up. Just because something's mysterious doesn't make it paranormal. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that there aren't some weird things out there and that you aren't allowed to believe in ghosts like you do you. My issue is when these explanations become harmful, racist, classist, you know, as some of these things clearly have. Martin Resney, a writer for Medium, took a crack at explaining the missing 411 people that David has documented and admits that David, and I'd argue conspiracy theorists like him, will omit facts that point towards mundane circumstances. And while it does make for fabulous storytelling, it's misleading. Martin makes a case for David's research and points to some of the odd factors throughout these missing 411 cases. Yet as odd as they are, there's a vast number of explanations out there. Data scientist, Kyle Polish stated that in 2017, that Dave says there are clusters of missing persons cases around the country. That caught my attention. 
His definition in one of these books is that there are a series of missing people outside our national parks. The events were very unusual and the park service were doing everything possible to keep a lid on the publicity. Yet, as Kyle explains, it's not all that impossible for a child to travel miles, nor is it strange that someone disappears in the wilderness. It's difficult to disappear from Times Square, he says. While you may be abducted from a busy area, to simply vanish from one is far more unlikely. Coincidence does not equal causation or correlation here. Of course, some of these cases are going to be related if these missing people are all hikers that found themselves in a dangerous situation. That doesn't mean that all these hikers encountered a beast or a supernatural creature. I highly recommend you check out Kyle Polish's talk on the missing 411 cases. If you look up his Skepticamp 2017 lecture, you can see how much data he's gathered on this. And I would argue that Kyle's arguments are far more compelling. Still, even though there are plausible explanations out there for many of these missing 411 stories, conspiracy theorists seem determined to attribute these cases to supernatural or the paranormal. And it's gotten to the point where David simply isn't a bit misguided, but he's deliberately fabricating evidence. There's literally no other way to say this, but he's devoted his life to proving the existence of Bigfoot and the proof that he has as well, it's lackluster to say the very least. For example, David claims to have organized this so-called proof with a woman named Dr. Melba Ketchum. In his blog, David explains that he trusted her with the physical evidence of the NABS or the National America Bigfoot Search acquired. David goes on about how well-versed she is with her cause and how much more knowledge about Bigfoot and that she has and all this scientific professional shenanigans in the world. Apparently, in a hair sample turned in by the NABS, she was intrigued and found unusual results. On the other hand, according to a 2013 article featured in The Scientist, when a Texas-based forensic services company last year declared it had sequenced the genome of the elusive Sasquatch, scientists demanded data. This week, the team behind the scenes published a paper in a journal that they appear to have set up themselves and the results are far from convincing. The paper, which appeared in the newly created De Novo Journal of Science, describes how Melba Ketchum and colleagues at DNA Diagnostics Incorporated subjected more than 100 samples sent in from various sites around North America to mitochondrial DNA analysis. The authors wrote, DNA analysis showed two distinctly different types of results. The mitochondrial DNA was unambiguously human, while the nuclear DNA was shown to harbor novel structure and sequence. They concluded that the data conclusively proves that the Sasquatch exists as an extant homonym and are direct maternal descendants of modern humans. However, geneticists who have seen the paper are not impressed. To state the obvious, no data or analyses are presented that in any way support the claim that their samples come from a new primate or human-primate hybrid. In other words, David does not have evidence, nothing that has been recognized by a scientific community. And sure, I know that there are people out there who are determined to believe in this. They're gonna dig their heels in and say, of course, the geneticists would say it's a lie. They're being paid off by the government or something like that. If David is so determined to believe in his research, then why not release it all? Why not let everyone analyze it and prove that he is in fact genuine? The Skeptical Inquirer explains that whenever David is pressed for a casual explanation and read that as a logical explanation, he remains evasive. Yet, if you actually take the time to go through the cases that he presents as mysterious and take a look from an outside perspective, it's not exactly hard to make sense of what may have actually happened. In the last case of my brief audit, a woman named Amy disappears while exercising. Her body was never recovered, but her wristwatch was found in a riverbed years later. He points out that years after that, a woman named Anne disappeared from the same place. 
He felt the need to point out that both of their names start with A and their first names only had three letters. I can only presume that he is open to the possibility that some nefarious Batman villain is at work with this area. Beware the three-lettered killer. Now, at least David isn't disrespectful of the missing, and I can give him that much, even if I think it's somewhat disrespectful to try and use a missing person's case as fuel for a conspiracy. Even so, someone can be in peak physical condition and be an excellent hiker and still become lost. That doesn't seem more likely than Bigfoot at the very least. I don't believe that David is truly malicious as he doesn't come across that way. Instead, he calls the day-to-day operations of the parks good people and points out that the administration of these parks are incompetent. At times he implies NPS, the National Park Service is a conspiracy, while at other times he just says he's frustrated by their own evasive nature. And honestly, I can agree with that, that things can be done better. The national parks may not be equipped to handle these missing people, and there is no centralized registry or database of people who have vanished. There are petitions to change this, and while I don't think it'll ever be really possible to make the wilderness safe, I do agree that our government could at least do a better job of keeping track and making the public aware of what's going on. But that's about all I can agree with these conspiracists on. The cause of informing people that national parks can be dangerous and having a better method of finding missing people is a noble one. But scaring people away from national parks in general with this misinformation isn't the way to go about helping anyone. Unfortunately, the other problem is that this petition states that it wants to create this database so that those with outdoors and hiking experience can look for them. And this sounds like a fantastic way to create more missing people by encouraging others to go off trail and search potentially dangerous locations. While I agree that a database may have some use and we should be aware how to act in these parks, there's very little common ground I have with them, especially those that perpetuate harmful stereotypes. And so with that being said, that's where I'm going to conclude today's episode. As much as I enjoy a good ghost story or some old spooky stories, I think the way that many of these TikTok conspiracies has spread this information has kind of become harmful. When you watch one of these videos, you'll have more similar content recommended to you. As one source puts it, it can be especially toxic. On social media, repetition substitutes for validation, said Russell Murat, a professor of democracy and politics at Dartmouth College and Rosenblum's co-author. Repetition is what breathes air into conspiracy theories and social media is all about repetition. But repeating something that's false does not make it more true. Teenagers are just as vulnerable to this as grownups. So please be skeptical do some research and question even those that claim to be experts. I obviously don't have all the answers, not by a long shot, but after seeing some of the damage that these conspiracies do and the evidence presented, it worries me how many people actually believe this stuff. So thank you for joining me for another episode. I appreciate you giving me a couple minutes of your time today. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.